Praise God that the Lord has found us. 
and set us free from our sin. Welcome this morning. Good to see everybody here. Uh, glad to have you there with us on all of our social media platforms, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, all of those. Be sure to heart, like, share, follow us, subscribe, uh, do all those things that'll help get the word out there even more. And then also welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming. If you need any of the information about how to connect with those or the phone number for the phone live streaming, see me after service. I'll be glad to give that uh, to you. Also encourage you if you're at home, go to our church website, highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, encourage you to go to our website there under the info tab. You can download the worship bulletin for today. We got that uploaded this morning, as well as the children's worship bulletins. Uh, those are in the windowsill to my right, uh, so be sure to pick up those if you need kids. Uh, in a little while, we'll be dismissing for children's church, so if you're one of our guests with us, I encourage you to have your kids attend uh, children's church. It's a great ministry that we have, and uh, they'll be safe there. If you are sending your kids, I want to encourage you to sign in on the sign-in sheet out here uh, on the stand out in the hallway there, and then you'll sign them out when you check them out upstairs or wherever they're meeting for Children's Church. Uh, also encourage you under the info tab there, you got the prayer list uh, that you can download for this week, so be sure to uh, get that downloaded, be praying through uh, each one of those uh, individuals on the prayer list. But good to see everybody that's here this morning. Uh, looking forward to a wonderful time of worship together. So Brother Mike, come and lead us. Good morning. How many of you serve a risen Savior? Well, stand with us as we praise him through song and sing, He Lives, 533. Join the choir. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world. I hear his voice and cheer, and just the time I 
I sounded like a mouse squilling there when reaching them high parts. <laughs> we want to remind you in your bulletins this week is our missionary of the week, Brad and Jen McCohen. They are serving in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana there and are seeking to reach out to a section there of Indianapolis in um, uh, in the East Indianapolis neighborhood there that they're at. There's about 78,000 people there in a three-mile radius from where they're ministering uh, who are not connected, many of those who are not connected uh, to any church. In fact, it says there in your bulletins that you'll read in their story, less than 10% of the people in their East Indianapolis neighborhood are connected to any evangelical Protestant church. And so they're doing all kinds of things to reach the people there, uh, ministering to people, providing for uh, un underserved uh, families uh, in that area, ministering through the local school district there also. And so we want to pray that God would provide uh, <clears throat> gospel opportunities there for them to share the gospel uh, with those who are lost and just pray for God's protection uh, over them as they continue to serve as well as all of our missionaries we want to uplift in prayer. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we want to come to you in prayer, Lord, and ask that you would speak to us this morning. And Lord, for we, <clears throat> we want to be in your presence. Lord, we don't want anything to hinder our, our conversation with you. We don't want anything to hinder our worship with you. And so we come first and foremost before you, a holy and a righteous God, confessing our sin and asking you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Lord, we ask that you would set us on a path of righteousness for your name's sake. Help us to follow you each and every day, to be faithful in our walk with you. And Lord, we pray that you will stir our hearts uh, to be filled with your spirit, to be overflowing with your love, uh, to share the good news of the gospel with those around us, and especially to be praying for those who don't know Christ, uh, as well as discipling them and teaching them uh, the truths of your word. So Father, may you have your hand upon us as a church, uh, especially this morning we want to uplift Brad and Jen McCohen, uh, who are serving there in Indianapolis. Lord, you know their ministry and the opportunities uh, through the school system there that have opened. Father, we pray that you'll continue to open many more opportunities there as they seek to minister to the underserved families uh, there in that East Indianapolis community. Father, we just pray for uh, you to just open many opportunities there, help them to build those relationships with those individuals, and, and then to share the gospel with them. And those that get saved, may they be able to disciple them and teach them the truth of your word. So watch over them, place a hedge of protection about them, be with all of our missionaries uh, around this world, and we ask the same for them. We ask, Lord, that whatever needs they might have, uh, may you provide for those needs. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to impress upon our hearts to give towards supporting those missionaries, whether that's through our regular ties and offering or whether it's through those special missions offerings that we do, helping us to reach those goals. So we just give you the glory and the honor for all that you're doing uh, all around this world in and through our church. And we just pray, God, that your blessings will continue to be upon us, that we might be a blessing to the nations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. 
Uh, do want to remind you, especially if you're at home there, uh, that you can do your giving online, hollabaptistchurch.com there. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do your regular budget offering there. Uh, you can do your Lottie Moon Christmas offering, uh, giving there too. If you need to do those in person, the Lottie Moon Christmas ones are in the window sills, uh, and your regular offering should be in your uh, pews in front of you. So I want to encourage you uh, to take the time to be sure uh, to do that. And then also, don't forget, if you're here in person, we have the Hoosier One cards that are down here at the front. They're bookmarks. Uh, there's a piece there for you to fold and tear off. On the back side, you'll write the name of an individual that uh, you may know that, is, that doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, uh, and that you want to be praying for, that you're committing to pray for. Uh, just tear that piece off, place it in the offering plate, uh, and then we're recording those. We'll share those with some, with some of you later. Uh, but we're putting those on the cross over here uh, to my right to be reminded to pray for those individuals. Once you've tear that off and put that in the offering plate, you've got a little bookmark here to pray for 30 days uh, for those individuals. So I want to encourage you to still take the time to do that. And then you'll notice in your bulletin uh, about disaster relief uh, that we are going to be doing a training uh, in our association here uh, in the near future. Uh, that date has not been set yet. Uh, Brother Matt Ledbetter is working with the Tennessee Baptist Convention uh, and our disaster relief uh, ministry there to get that all set up. But if you're interested in that ministry uh, and you've not yet let me know, please uh, let me know. We'll have a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board out here. It's not out there this morning, but it will be out there uh, later. So just want to encourage you to take the time to do that. If you're one of our guests, we encourage you to pick up. I think there's only one bag up here, but there's some at the doors uh, as you leave this morning. It's got some information about our church. Uh, it's got some gifts in it that we want to say uh, welcome uh, for and thank you for being here uh, with us this morning. Thank those of you who prayed for me this past week. I went uh, back to Florida to celebrate my mom's 75th birthday uh, and was able to travel there safely and back. Had a great time on the first part of the week, but at the last day that I was there, my uncle passed away. Uh, and so I was able to be there with my stepdad to go tell his dad, uh, his brother, uh, about that. So I'll be heading back tomorrow for the funeral uh, that they've asked me to be a part of on Tuesday. So pray for me in traveling uh, for that as I'll be back Wednesday. So choir, we will be having practice still on Wednesday, just so you know. If you're out there in the choir, be sure to be here on Wednesday. We still have our regular programs that we'll be doing on Wednesday evening. So uh, come and join us. Uh, we're having a great, great study through uh, the book of Zechariah uh, in the Old Testament going through the Minor Prophets. So I encourage you to be here on Sunday nights. We're in the book of Genesis. So come and join us on Sunday nights. Brother Mike, come and lead us again. You all did good on that last song. I know some of you wondered what in the world I was doing with the timing of that thing, but sometimes we do some of these songs so much, you sing them and don't think about them, but if you change the timing just a little bit, people tend to listen a little differently, and, and that was some intent there, and I know the ladies have to watch me because they don't know what in the world I'm doing, <laughs> or going to do. Let's sing the next song, Were You There? Uh, 156, take your hymnals and join us.
That fourth verse was not a normal verse for that original song. It was added, I think, sometimes later. And I noticed the word was different there than actually in the book. So, he rose from the grave. He rose from the dead. Same. Join us now by standing and let's sing 139. Children's church will be uh, gathering over on the piano side. Let's sing 139 at the cross. And thank you, ladies, for following through that song because that was hard, too. 139. Yeah. 
drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. There by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Amen. Thank you. Songs this morning. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 1 through verse 4, I'm preaching through a series right now on impact, living out our mission. Uh, last week we talked about that we ought not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation uh, to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. Well, we're going to see this morning what is the gospel. Uh, that is one of the first things as a believer that we need to be taught. You know, the Bible tells us that we are to, to believe uh, and to, we're to go share the gospel with those uh, who are lost, uh, but we're also to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you all, uh, and I'm with you always to the end of the earth. Uh, this is one of those very first things that we need to be sharing with people to make sure they understand what the gospel uh, is. It ought to be the priority uh, of our lives. And so we're going to see that here from Paul this morning and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're just going to begin with verse 1. So would you stand with me as we read God's Word uh, in honor of His Word. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for your Word this morning. And I pray, Lord, as believers who are here this morning, no, no matter where we are on the spectrum of our journey with you, uh, Lord, there may be some who are here this morning and they have been longtime faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And, and this may be uh, something, Lord, that, that is just common to them to understand. Lord, we all need to be refreshed and reminded of the gospel. Lord, if there may be some who are here who are new believers uh, who need to be reminded what the gospel is, so that they can be sure to be sharing that with their one. They can be sure to be praying through the gospel, that the, gospel, the power of the gospel will go forth and change people's hearts and people's lives. But Lord, even more importantly this morning, there may be some who are here or some who are watching online who have not yet trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. May they hear the gospel from Paul here in the book of 1 Corinthians. May you speak to our hearts in a powerful way that those individuals, Lord, would be drawn by the Holy Spirit to faith in Jesus Christ, set on the road of discipleship and following you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, priorities are important. You know, life is about keeping first things first. And the church, like a person, has to strive to keep 
first things first. There are so many things we could do as a church. There's lots of philanthropic things we could do as a church to help people who are in need without ever sharing the gospel with them if we wanted. How dare we do that because we have the answer and the remedy, the solution for their lives that goes far beyond meeting a physical need that brings the spiritual hope into their lives for salvation. And so we have to be reminded from time to time there are good things as individuals, as Christians, that we could choose to do. But what is the priority for me? So that in everything I do, I want to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether that's in my work, whether that's at school, whether that's in my community, whether that's in the workplace or the marketplace. The church, like a person, has to strive to keep first things first. We have one job. We don't have a whole bunch of jobs. Uh, we have one job. We've been given one mission. Uh, at, at the end of the book of Matthew, when we were going through the life of Jesus, we came to that great commission that Jesus gave. In the beginning of the book of Acts that we read a few weeks ago, uh, we looked at that message as Jesus was getting ready to ascend that we're to be his witnesses. We're to be his witnesses here in Jerusalem. So often uh, as believers, some of us, that's all we want to do is just stay here and share the gospel. We don't want to send the gospel around the world. Uh, we'll, we'll support others to go, but we don't want to go ourselves. And, and so I want to encourage you to, to let the Lord speak to your heart because he may be speaking to some of you this morning to go on mission, whether that's across our state, across our nation, or even around the world. We have a mission uh, uh, that God has given us, and that's the first activity that we're to be about, the one job uh, we call the Great Commission, to make disciples of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. So understand what I said there, make disciples. So there's an aspect of it of sharing the gospel, of evangelism, of bringing someone to faith in Jesus Christ, but it does not end there. You still uh, disciple them. You still continue to teach them in the truths of God's Word to help them to grow in that relationship. And so that's our job as a church. That's our job as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's our main job. So when I talk about the gospel, I'm not talking about just the, the evangelization aspect of that because that's a portion of it, but it's also teaching them the gospel. It's teaching them how to live out the gospel in, in their hearts and in their lives on a daily basis. And you could really say that's our only job. Here's the point. The mission is determined by a message that's to be the first and the most important message that we're called to share, and that's called the gospel. We talked about this last week. What is the gospel? It is the good news. It is good news. And that's our first main message. Is the gospel the only message in the Bible? Not by a long shot. But without any shadow of a doubt, of all the messages in the Bible, it ought to be the first message, the most important message for us as believers. Now, you may say, well, that's your opinion, preacher. No, that's exactly what we're going to see here this morning. I didn't come up with that idea. One of the greatest writers here of the New Testament, uh, the most famous Christian who ever lived, Paul, tells us it is to be the most important. 
And that mission is shared uh, by, by the church's message, the gospel. Every time the church gathers, uh, the gospel should be heard clearly. I, I try to do that no matter what I'm preaching about. No matter where the text uh, leads me, I always try to go back, at least for those who don't know Christ, to go back to the cross, to go back to the message of the gospel. There's a lot of things that we can learn from the scriptures about uh, how to walk with the Lord each and every day, to grow and to be discipled. But it ought to always take us back to the gospel. And, and the foundation of why we are here to even start with. And so the Apostle Paul shows that the gospel is the most important message. He defines for us just what the gospel is. We, we have a great opportunity with what we're doing with our who's your one emphasis and, and, and the cards that we're putting on the cross uh, over here to my right. And, and so we have a great opportunity there through who's your one to make an eternal difference in people's lives with the gospel. And, and we need to know what is the gospel. And so if we keep first things first, then Paul tells us there are three things that we'll do. Here's the first. Prioritize the message of the gospel. So notice what he says again in verse 1. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, I would remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Now, it may not hit you this way, but when you think about this passage in its context and where Paul is, is speaking this, it's really interesting that even in the early church, there was a need to clarify the gospel. There was a need to remind people of what the gospel is. So even in the beginnings of the church, he's saying here, I need to remind you of something. This is not some 200 years later or, or 1,000 years later or some 2,000 years removed as we are to be reminded. This is just uh, maybe 30, 40 years here uh, after Jesus has ascended that Paul is writing this passage. And he's saying there's something you need to be reminded of is the gospel. There was a need, he says, to make sure that people knew how important the gospel really was. It goes on to say, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, that's an amazing statement. Because Paul said, here's how important the gospel is. The gospel is so important, it is the only way to be saved. It's the only way for you to be saved. It's the only way for your family to be saved, for your children to be saved, for your friends to be saved, for your co-workers to be saved. It's the only way for this world to be saved. Now, I know it may not sound politically correct in our day and in our time. It may sound intolerant, but it's just true. You cannot and you will not be saved by the message of Islam. You will not be saved and cannot be saved by the message of Buddhism or by the message of Hinduism or by the message of Judaism. There's only one message that we're saved by, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other saving message in this world. You, you can't come to know God except through faith in Jesus Christ. And so unless you hear the gospel and you respond to the gospel message. And so if that's true, which I believe it is, then you'll understand why Paul goes on to say this 
in verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scripture. So he begins there in verse 3 and says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So Paul says that the gospel, which is the context he's speaking about, he says the gospel is of first is importance. It, it, it's the most important message in the life of the church. The gospel ought to be a part of everything we do. Uh, we ought to always be thinking about how can we get people to hear the gospel because the Bible says this in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So when you read the book of, of 1 Corinthians here, and you understand that truth that we only come by faith, we only come, faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, you, you, it, it would make a good reality show. Uh, read 1 Corinthians sometime. You'll find that the church there in Corinth, they were a crazy, mixed up, messed up church kind of like we are, mixed up, messed up, still there. And so Paul had to talk to them about all sorts of other matters in the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. He had to talk to them, get this, about incest. He had to talk to them about suing other Christians. He had to talk to them about what it means to be married. He had to talk to them about what it means to be single. He talked to them about what it means and how, how to handle temptation and how people were coming to the Lord's Supper and, and even getting drunk. It's amazing what was going on in this church. And, and Paul said all those things are important. All those things needed to be addressed by Paul. All those things need to be addressed in our life as the church. But never forget, he says, that the most important subject in all of the Bible is the gospel, and it's still the most important message today. Every time in Paul's letters, he always comes back to the gospel. He, he said it's the most important thing. Uh, every time he always comes back to the gospel is that important message. So one of the main reasons why we are here as a nation right now is because uh, one of the main reasons we defeated the British Army uh, in the Revolutionary War is because of a neglected message that could have been the most important message in all of that war. They neglected a message that should have been First things first. Let me tell you about it if you've not heard about it. You may have heard about it before. By all accounts, this was a turning point in the Revolutionary War. It was when George Washington, on Christmas Eve, you remember the famous painting we see, the cross the, the Delaware River uh, on a freezing cold Christmas night, 
He won a battle, the battle at Trenton in a surprise attack. But the reason why he was able to pull that off is because a message was sorely neglected. Here's what happened in that, uh, to that Hessian com commander by the name of Colonel Jonathan Johann Wall. He was actually at a Christmas party that night, having a great time, having a wonderful party. It was inconceivable to him and to others that, that this ragtag, disorganized, tattered amateurs, uh, some who didn't even have socks and shoes, some who didn't even have bullets or ammunition, it was inconceivable that they would even dare to come and attack these Hessians who were, who were paid professional mercenary soldiers. In fact, on Christmas Eve, he was having a discussion with his officers, and somebody said to him, do you think there's a chance we might be attacked by the Americans? And he said, those clodhoppers would never attack us. And so around midnight of Christmas... There was a local farmer who was a British sympathizer who delivered a message to a servant who met him at the door. He said, please get this to Colonel Wall. It's extremely important. And then he took it to Colonel Wall, but the problem was he was playing cards at the time. And he didn't want to be interrupted, didn't want to be bothered. And so he took the note that was given to him. He stuffed it in his pocket unread. At daybreak, in the freezing snow and sleet, George Washington and his troops attacked those drunken, sleeping Hessians, and they were completely overwhelmed. Nine hundred of them were taken captive, and Colonel Wall was mortally wounded. As he was being attended by the doctor, the doctor was cutting away his clothes, trying to get to the wound, and a note fell out of his pocket. And that note was a message warning that Washington was approaching and Washington was going to attack. Before he died, Colonel Wall had a chance to finally read that message that would have probably ended the war right there. But instead he said, and these were his last words, if I had just read this note, I wouldn't be here. In effect, the war was won because of a message that should have been the most important message, a message that should have been first, a message that should have taken priority, was completely ignored. We as the church, we as believers, must never neglect the most important message because it's the only message that can change a life forever. We must prioritize the message of the gospel. Here's our second point this morning. We need to recognize the meaning of the gospel. We need to recognize the meaning of the gospel. So go back with me, if you will, to verse 3, and we'll come back in to verse 4. So he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance, top priority, that I also what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, Paul here in these two verses does something that, that is kind of weird here because think about it, Jesus had only been dead uh, about 15, 20 years, maybe somewhere in that 25-year range, and Jesus' death and his resurrection are still fresh in, in the minds of the people. But Paul takes time in this letter to the church at Corinth 
to define for them exactly to the last letter, to the last words, exactly what the gospel is. Why does he do that? Let me tell you this. It's because you can go to the streets of Tullahoma or any city in this nation or around the world. You could stand on the street corner and you could take a survey and just ask people this question, what's the gospel? And you'd get 50 different answers from 50 different people. We need to make sure as believers, as a first importance, we understand what is the gospel. If we're going to pray for people who are lost, if we're going to share with people who are lost, if we're going to disciple people who, have, who are new believers, we need to understand ourselves what is the gospel. So Paul says there are always three parts to the gospel. Always three parts to the gospel. The first part comes there in verse 3 when he tells us that Christ died for our sins. Now you see that little word for? In the Greek language, it literally means in behalf of or in our place. In other words, Jesus died in behalf of or in our place for our sins. So why did Paul make such a big deal about that? I mean, think about it. People die every day. Death in and of itself, it wasn't something that was uncommon then. It's not something that's uncommon now. Everybody dies. Popes die. Presidents die. Pastors die. Priests die. Everybody dies every single day. So it really wasn't that unusual in the days of Jesus. And it really wasn't unusual for people to be crucified. But Paul says that the reason his death stands out, the reason Jesus' death stands out, is because he's the only person in history who died for our sins. Dr. Harry Rimmer, who lived about 100 years ago, he was what we would call today an apologist. He was a great Christian scientist, a great uh, doctor. He was lecturing at Harvard University one day, uh, defending, giving a defense of Christianity. Uh, he allowed the class to ask some questions, and there was this young Jewish man who said, I don't believe in Jesus like you believe in Jesus. So can I ask you a question, he said. He said, what did Jesus Christ do that no one else ever did? In other words, he was looking at Jesus Christ and, and seeing him as, he's just like everybody else. What did he do that no one else ever did? And so Dr. Rimmer, he replied, he said, Now, son, he said, since you've identified yourself as a Jew, he said, I assume you know the early history of your people, and you know that Titus, uh, Pilate, and the Roman emperors uh, crucified some 30,000 young Jews. The Jewish student said, I didn't know how many, he said, but I knew there were several thousand. Dr. Rimmer said, I'm going to name one of those Jews that was crucified, and I want you to name another one. He said, the one I'm naming is Jesus Christ. He said, you name one of the other 30,000 who was crucified. That young Jewish man, he said, well, I don't know the name of any others. Dr. Rimmer said, the reason why we can remember one name as Christians is because we don't know any of the other 29,999. It's because Jesus Christ is the only one who died for our sins and was raised from the dead. He died for your sins. There was a penalty that your sins deserved. In fact, the scriptures tell us in the book of Romans that the wages of our sin is what? Death. 
Somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to pay a price for our sins. In the Old Testament, it was a sacrificial system that was set up. But year after year, a sacrifice had to be made. It was never, ever enough. Until finally, one day, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, comes and He dies on the cross once and for all, for all of our sins. Jesus died for our sins. That's the first part of the gospel. The second thing that's always seen in the gospel is that He was buried. Now, that's one thing we kind of skip over sometimes. We don't really pay much attention to it. I mean, think about it. Why would Paul say that that, that seemingly insignificant thing that he was buried? Because think about it. It's not really that insignificant because only one kind of person should be buried. Only dead people should be buried. And so Paul said this truth to emphasize that Jesus Christ really was dead. And we know the death of Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament. But did you know that his death, and not only his death, but his burial was also predicted too? Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 9 it says, And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man... In his death. Some 700 years before Jesus was even born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah who is going to come, he is going to die, and the Messiah is going to be buried in a rich man's grave. Why is that so important? Why make such a big deal that Jesus was buried? It's simple because God knew that there would be people who would deny the resurrection. God knew that there would be people who would say, I've got no problem with Jesus being born. I've got no problem that Jesus lived. I've got no problem that Jesus died. But I've got a real problem believing that he was raised from the dead. So you've got a problem. To deny the resurrection... You either have to deny the fact that he was actually raised from the dead, or you have to deny that he really died at all. That's what Muslims believe. They don't believe that Jesus died on the cross. They believe he was crucified, but they don't really believe that he died. So if they don't believe that he died, they don't have to believe in a little resurrection. There's, that, that's nothing new because there have been people who have been denying that for hundreds of years. There was a group of people some 200 to 300 years ago that were called rationalists, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. And they formulated what is known today as the swoon theory. They believe that Jesus didn't really die. He, he, when he's on that cross, he just goes into shock. His pulse rate gets, gets low. Uh, he's very faint, almost to the point of death, but he didn't die. They said that Jesus almost died. He was buried alive. When he was, uh, when, and when he was out in that cool, cold tomb, his vital signs began to return. His pulse returned. Somehow he gained his strength and somehow wigged himself out from behind the stone and was able to escape the tomb, even with those soldiers outside, and be nursed back to health. There are people today who even still believe that. Reminds me of a man who lived... In England 50 years ago, he wrote to a religious editor of a newspaper, and he wrote this letter 
said, Dear Editor, he said, My neighbor and I were talking on Easter Sunday, and he said that Jesus just kind of swooned on the cross, and the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? Sincerely, John. He received the following reply. Dear John, beat your neighbor with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the sun for six hours. Run a spear through his side. Embalm him. Wrap him up like a mummy. Put him in an airtight tomb for 72 hours. And you see what happens. Sincerely, the editor. Jesus literally died. That's why it's important as a part of the gospel. He literally was buried. But there's a third part to the gospel that cannot be denied. And we find that leading up into the next verse. So Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried, and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So understand this. Those other two parts that we mentioned already of the gospel, they don't matter at all if the third part is not true. That He died that he was buried, none of that matters unless this third part is true. If all he did was die on the cross, if all he did was, was, was be buried in a tomb and, and he wasn't raised from the dead, then his death doesn't matter. You may say, you know Jesus died for my sins, but how do I know he died for my sins? How do I know that God accepted his death for my sins? Well, there's only one answer, the resurrection. His resurrection proves that God accepted the payment, the penalty, the debt that you owed for your sins. Every time that you charge something on a credit card, what do you always get at the register? You get that piece of paper, a receipt. It's the proof that payment was made. Now you get it on your phone sometimes. They send it to you in a text message. But it's proof that the payment was made. It's proof that the payment was accepted. You can take that and, and use it to go back to prove the transaction that you did. The resurrection is God's receipt to us that our sins have been paid in full. So understand this. The cross is the payment. The resurrection is the receipt. We need to make sure we understand the gospel. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. And on the third day, he arose to give us the victory, to give us the receipt that your sin debt has been paid on the cross. So prioritize the message of the gospel. Recognize the meaning of of the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day he was raised from the dead. That's the gospel. And then we need to make sure, thirdly, that we emphasize the might of the gospel. Now this goes back to what we talked about last week, where we talked about the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We need to emphasize the power, the might of the gospel. So I want you to go back, if you will, to verse 2. Verse 2 tells us, he said, he's already told us that he, he had preached the gospel to them, which you received and which you stand. 
verse 2 continues on and says, "...and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain." So why is the gospel message in the Bible? Why is the gospel message the most important message for the church? Why is the gospel message the most important message to every follower of Jesus Christ, to every believer? Why is the gospel message the only message that could ever save your life? Because this message is the only one that has the power of God, the power of salvation, as Paul reminds us that it's by this gospel, which you are now being saved, which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. The gospel is the only message that can take you from sin to salvation. It's the only message that can take you from darkness into light. It's the only message that can take you from death into life. It's the only message that can change your life forever. If it's the only message that can change your life forever, it's the only message that can change this world forever. So let me come back to what we're doing here in this emphasis with these cards down below the pulpit here and over on this cross. Who's your one? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to have a one. All too often for us as believers, the circles of people that we interact with we tend to get more closed and more closed and more closed that, that our groups of influence are it's just Christians. And that's good. We need good Christian influence in our lives. Young people, you need good Christian friends that aren't going to lead you astray and lead you down a path of unrighteousness in your life. You need good Christian friends. But you need to have some people in your circles that are out here that you know don't know Jesus as, your Lord, as their Lord and Savior. You need to have one at least if you don't have one then come up to me and I'll give you one there's a lot of people in our neighborhood all you gotta do is look in your neighborhood there's a lot in your neighborhood how many kids go to our schools you go to elementary school you go to middle school you go to high school there's hundreds of kids in all of those schools you have people who are in your circles people you know that you go to school with, people you know as adults here this morning that you work with, people you know that you interact with on a daily basis, week after week after week, who need to hear the gospel. If they don't hear the gospel, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They need to hear the gospel. You need to have at least one person in your life who doesn't know Christ to sh be praying for them, for one thing, to be praying that God will give you the words and open up opportunities for you to share the gospel, but also just praying that God will bring other people across their path to share the gospel with them also. And so everybody ought to have one at least. The gospel message is the only hope for this world. It's the only hope for you, and it's the only hope for that one. This gospel message is the only hope for that person. Let me ask you, if you were lost this morning, 
if you were without Christ and every Christian shared the gospel as much as you share the gospel, let me ask you, would you ever hear the gospel? Someone once said this, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. The gospel has the power to transform even the most depraved sinner. The person that you think, there's no way in this world that person would ever come to faith in Christ. The power of the gospel can transform and change anybody. Look at the man who wrote this book, this 1 Corinthians, this letter, Paul. Who was Paul? Paul was a murderer, he says. I was a murderer. I killed people for sharing the gospel. He says in his, in his letters, I was the chiefest of all sinners. And yet, the power of the gospel transformed and changed his life. And he became one of the greatest missionaries ever on the face of this planet. One of the greatest persons sharing the gospel. The gospel has that kind of power. Let me ask you this, how big is the gospel? If the gospel isn't true, nothing else matters. But if the gospel is true, it's the only thing that matters. Nobody loves you like God loves you. Nobody has showed you they love you more than God has showed you that he loves you when he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die in your place for your sins. He died on that cross, was buried in the tomb, and on the third day arose from the grave. For I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. We talked about this last week. Be unashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's what we just said there. That's all you have to share with people. You don't have to be some theological debater. You don't have to be a, a, a professor in a Christian college. You don't even have to have gone to a Christian college. You don't have to go to a Christian school to know the gospel. You share the gospel. You share your testimony of how Christ has changed your life. And then you leave the rest of the work to the Holy Spirit to bring people to faith in Christ. Some people say, preacher, don't you get discouraged and Sunday after Sunday, people don't come. Yeah, that's discouraging. But here's what I know. Every Sunday, I share the gospel. And I leave it with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will work in people's hearts and lives. And those people that God is working in will come in his time, in his way. Let me encourage you. Be faithful. Be faithful to the gospel. Be faithful to your one. Be faithful to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. What a powerful message from Paul. Speaking to a church that was messed up. 
a church that was going through all kinds of, of turmoil and problems in their lives and, and had so many things that Paul addresses to them. Father, I pray that we would get into 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians to understand and to, to see all those other things that he tells us about how we're to live our life. But Lord, may we get this first. If we don't get anything else, let us get this as the foundation that it's all about the gospel. That if we've got problems in our, in our marriage, if we've got problems in our finances, if we've got problems in our relationships, if we've got problems in any area of our lives, it all begins with the gospel. We gotta first make sure we know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. If we haven't settled that, then we have no foundation to stand on. Jesus tells us it's like we're the man who built his house upon the sand, and when the storms come, when the waves come, it beats upon it and, and it and it falls, it crumbles. And great is that fall. But when we build our house on the word of God, when we build our house on the truth of the gospel, then, Lord, we can build, and we can build on a firm foundation of the rock of the truth. So, Lord, there may be some who are here this morning who, who needed to hear that message that God loves them and that God has made a way for them when it seems to them there is no way. He sent his son. What greater demonstration of love could he have ever shown than to send Jesus to die in our place on behalf of us, to be buried and then to arise on the third day. Lord, I pray that if there's someone who's here this morning and they've heard that simple message of the gospel, and the Bible says that if we believe in our hearts, and we call upon Jesus as Lord. In other words, we're surrendering to him as Lord of our life. We're believing in what he did, that he lived, was crucified, was buried, was resurrected for us. We believe that and we confess him as our Lord. Then the Bible says we will be saved. And so Lord, may there be those who would do that this morning. Just put it in their own words. To say, I believe. I trust in you, Jesus. Come into my life and save me. Transform me, change me, help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray they'd come this morning to publicly profess that faith in Christ and follow through the waters of baptism. Father, I pray that your will will be done in their lives. If they're watching online, may they just comment there to let us know so we can follow up with them. So we can disciple them to help them to grow. Father, I pray, though, for many of us who are here as believers, many who are watching online who are already believers. Lord, I, I, I fear that we've lost the focus on what's the most important. All too often, we think what's most important is me. Me, me, me. So, Lord, bring us to a place of humility, a place of brokenness, a place of repentance to say, God, I am nothing. You're everything. And I've heard your word this morning that a first importance is to be this message of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you'll impress upon believers' hearts this morning individuals who don't know Christ. Lord, that they'll begin to commit to pray for those individuals. Lord, that they'll encourage others through, through writing that card, that, that little piece of paper, writing that name there so others can pray for that one. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will begin working in their friends' lives, in their family members' lives, in whoever it is that you've laid upon their heart. And Lord, I pray then that as they begin praying, 
for their friend, as they begin uplifting them before you, as they begin doing that earnestly day after day, Father, I pray you'll open up opportunities for them to share the gospel. Lord, that they wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of salvation. Not us, not our fancy words. It's the gospel. He died, he was buried, he arose on the third day. And Father, I pray that you'll use the gospel message and our testimony to bring people to faith in Christ, that we would be faithful to who our one is, to be faithful to you in all we say and all we do. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 317, only trust him. Will you come this morning, whether it's as a believer to join this church, uh, whether it's as a believer to come and pray, or you need Christ as your Lord and Savior, will you come, Brother Mike? He'll lead us. On every soul, my come and share our announcements. A couple of short announcements and we'll close with a word of prayer. We've had three deaths that I'm aware of in the past few days. Pastor Jim's uncle John Norman. We need to remember that family and even Pastor Jim as you travel. Safe travel for you, sir. Uh, Donna Adcock's sister, Janie Town passed away, and Cindy Hawker-Smith's son-in-law's mother, Wendy Hamlin, passed away. She'd been battling cancer. Um, anyone want to give a short report from our chili cook-off dessert thing? Matt's not in here, so on, on behalf of Matt and the youth department and the children's department, thank you for your support. Uh, it was successful. I think Tony Rogers, is Tony in here? Tony, hold that belt up. You got that belt on you? <laughs> it's heavy, he says. It's worth looking back there for. Look at and Tony's the reigning, the reigning world champion, I understand, with that belt. So we don't want to challenge him until next year. Let him have his moment there. But that's exciting. It's, it's not too late to contribute to those two things, uh, both really good causes for church camp and the things going on with the children and youth. 
Uh, the last announcement is Jason asked that I mention the Buildings and Grounds Committee will meet at 4 p.m. in the Youth Department today. And with that, we'll close with a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you again, Lord, for the honor and privilege of being here at this time. Lord, we thank you for uh, your word being preached in a powerful and clear way. Lord, give us the strength and the courage and the words to uh, spread the gospel this week to someone. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you would be in everything we do and say, Lord, and that we may honor and glorify your name. Lord, forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.